Uh, good morning, Heavenly Father. What a joy it is, what a privilege it is for us to come together, brothers and sisters, join together in a common faith in your Son, our Savior Jesus, and to affirm that faith that overcomes fear. Lord, we live in a time and in a place where there is so much fear, there is so much anxiety, there is so much hostility. And you call us to peace, to a deep and abiding peace. Where your burdens are light. Whereas we walk with you and follow you, that you lead us to places of abundance. And so, Lord, help us as we go through this new week to turn down the noise, the distractions of this world filled with fear and frustration and anger, that we might walk in harmony with your spirit, filled with a confidence and assurance that come as we put our trust in you. Lord, each one who is gathered here has their own things that they uh, are carrying. Some really heavy, Lord. And so we as a community of faith surround each one, particularly those who are struggling in a significant way right now. And we lift them to you and ask God that you would give them renewed strength, renewed hope, renewed confidence that nothing, nothing in this world can ever separate them from your love in Christ Jesus. And Lord, for those who are part of this community right now and are rejoicing. Blessings have come into their lives. New opportunities, new members to a family, restored health, secure jobs. For those who were rejoicing this morning, Lord, we rejoice with them, thankful knowing that every good and perfect gift is from you. And now, Lord, as we continue to worship you this day, we pray that all that has taken place so far and all that is to come will be an offering to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Yeah, so it's good to be together, whether online or here in the room. We are so glad to be worshiping with you. Thank you, uh, Andrew and Ben, for leading us this morning. That was awesome. 
I, my heart's still pumping on all of that. That was good stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sit down. If you're home and you're standing, sit down. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jeff Bills, lead pastor here at Hope, and it is good to be worshiping together. Just uh, by way of announcement, one exciting thing coming up on August 18th, our student ministries will be going to Hershey Park for the day, and uh, so we are thrilled about that. If you are interested in going, you can go to meethope.org slash Hershey, and you can register online there. If you have questions uh, that you need answers to, reach out to Phil Falk, our student ministry director, and uh, you can reach him at phil at meethope.org, and he'll be happy to share that. You know, with this coronavirus, uh, one of the things I think we've all learned is you need to be really good at pivoting, really good at responding to realities as they come up. And so as this Delta virus uh, or strain of the virus uh, has been uh, sweeping around the country, we don't act in fear, but we do pay attention to it. And so here in the space, beginning next week, we will go back to having a section in our worship space for mask preferred. So for those who uh, would prefer to have an area in the worship space, we'll have that mask preferred and other sections that we'll be calling mask optional. And uh, so we're just uh, going to continue to uh, live our lives and do our thing, um, but with great wisdom and paying attention to uh, what science is telling us. If um, you've already given, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your support of all of the ministries that take place here at Hope. When you give on a regular basis, you are helping to fund everything that you see that goes on here at Hope Church. And I am grateful for your trust in us and your faithfulness to God as you give in that way. If you're here in the room and want to give, there's opportunities to do that physically. There's baskets on the tech booth, and there are little giving kiosks uh, in the lobby. And so feel free to uh, make your offering there. If you are tuning in online, you've never actually been to our space uh, personally, and you haven't had an opportunity to give, I want to invite you and encourage you to uh, become a supporter of Hope in a financial way. And so you can go to our website, meethope.org slash give, and uh, all of the instructions you need will be, will be there. So again, thank you, um, as always, for your generosity. So many lives are touched in profound ways uh, through this church and the ministries of this church, and uh, you're a part of that. We're continuing our series that we are calling The Gospel According to David. And so Pastor Rick is going to be leading us in week two as he looks at that epic story in David's life as he takes on Goliath. So, Rick. Hey, everybody. How are we today? 
Good to see you here in the space. Good to see you online. And, uh, you know, there are times where, uh, the, you know, the worship team, we plan these things out weeks and months ahead. And there are moments where I think, yeah, we really planned well. That worked out. And then there are other moments like this morning where I'm in the front row and I'm like, wow, God, you really showed up beyond our planning well. And so I hope you feel that as well. It was almost as if they were singing the message this morning. And uh, so I could almost just say amen and be done. But the clock says I have 24 more minutes. So I'm going to use those because um, just because I can. So the other night I was watching the Olympics uh, because that's what you do. I'm not a person who stays up late, but I got caught up in the story of a guy by the name of Arion Knighton. And uh, Irion is a 17-year-old high school student who runs the 100 and 200-meter race, and uh, he was in the Olympics. Uh, They were showing his bio at about 8 or 9 p.m., and it kept me up till midnight because I wanted to see how Irion did in his race. Imagine being 17 years old and being on the biggest athletic stage possible. And then imagine this, imagine going to, back to high school in September and everyone is talking about what they did for their summer, right? What'd you do? Oh, I got a job at Chick-fil-A, what'd you do? I went to summer camp and Arion says, I went to the Olympics, right? Imagine what that must have been like. I was hooked, I mean, I just, like I said, I stayed up late watching it. The results are that I believe he came in fourth place. He did not win a medal, but he's 17 years old. He'll be running Olympics long after I'm watching the Olympics, uh, if he uh, continues at his current pace. Today's Old Testament story uh, is the story of David uh, that we have often heard, and it gets put into an Olympic kind of event, okay? It's this story of David and Goliath, and there's not enough time in the, in the minutes that I have to tell you the whole story, so what I want to encourage you to do is to read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, read that story this week. Well, I'm going to pull out a lot of the details of the story, but really it's a great one chapter to read to just see what God is doing, and I'm hoping that at the end of our message time that you will be even more inspired to read it because you can look at it, maybe with an Olympic set of eyes. Uh, so the writer begins, though, by setting the stage, and the writer says at the beginning of 1 Samuel that, and it's not on the screen, I'm just going to share this, the Philistines now mustered their army for battle, and look at that, it is on the screen. Surprise, surprise, Pastor Rick. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle, and Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. The Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Now, do you see what stage is set here? We have one army on the top of one hill, the other army on the top of the other hill, and there's a valley in between. And neither army wants to venture into the valley because you never take the low ground, you always take the high ground. So both armies are facing each other with the valley of Elah in between. They're camped on either side. They can see each other with the valley in between. The writer continues and says, then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. And the writer tells us that Goliath was nine feet tall, that his coat of arms, that's his shield that he wore over him, weighed 125 pounds. 
just what his coat weighed 125 pounds. Get that? That's how big this man was. It says that the tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds, not his whole spear, just the tip weighed 15 pounds. He is the champion. He's the best of the Philistines, and he represents the entire Philistine army. He's the champion. And every day, once they're facing each other on these two hillsides, he comes out and he shouts across to the Israelites and says, choose one man to come down here and fight me. And if he kills me, then he will be, then, then, then we will be your slaves. But if we, if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Now that's not an unusual in that time. Uh, if you've seen the movie back in the day, I think it came out early 2000s with Brad Pitt. It was called Troy. And at the beginning of that movie, there is a champion fight. And uh, uh, I think we have a pick of the champion from that movie. Do we have that pick? There he is, okay? That's just for our purposes, imagine that is a Goliath. Champion warfare was common in ancient history and in ancient literature. Kings would decide a contest with limited bloodshed if they both agreed to the terms of a champion war. It made sense, really, right? Professional armies cost money to train and to upkeep. Volunteer armies, while they provide feed on the ground, are often farmers without training. Both of these are costly. And so the Philistines sent out Goliath and said, Goliath will fight for us. Israel, send out your champion. The writer says that when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. And for 40 days, every morning and every evening, the Philistine champion, Goliath, the New Living Translation says he strutted in front of the army. 40 days. For over a month, he came out every morning and said, is anyone going to fight me? Every night before they all went for to dinner or back to bed, I don't know which, he would then say, how about tomorrow? Is anyone going to fight me? Because I'll be back here tomorrow challenging you again for 40 days, over a month, chatting, who will fight? Who will stand up for you? It says that after 40 days, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run. See, that's what happens, right, in life. When we hear things over and over and over and over again, we begin to move from fear, being deeply shaken, to just running away in fright. And so that's where we're at in the story when David shows up. Goliath comes out. He says, who's going to fight me? I'm here ready to battle. I've been shouting for 40 days. David watches, everyone runs away, everyone runs and hides, and David asks, why, what's going on? Why is everybody running? Why is everybody hiding? And they say, well, did you just hear? He just challenged us, and our response was to run. 
and hide. And David says, hey, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Now, David is a, a young boy. He's still in high school in a sense. And likely everyone listening today has heard this next part of the story. That young David, a boy who likely weighed less than a 125-pound coat of arms, killed Goliath in a battle of champions. It's the original David and Goliath story, right? It is the David and Goliath story, right? It's the story of the little guy beating the big guy, right? That's always called our David and Goliath moment, right? So we shop local because we want those small David-like shops to be, to be able to stand up against the big box stores, right? We want to David versus Goliath, right? A high school kid in the Olympics makes me stay up till midnight, because it seems like a David versus Goliath story. And if you've grown up in church world, you've heard preachers like me say things like this. So let's all go out and fight our Goliaths. Let's pick up our five stones and let's sling them at that giant and we can be victorious. Whatever your giant might be, just like David, let's slay that giant. Right? You've heard that before. If I were to prepare the message in that way today, I'd say, hey, this is your Olympic moments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But today, the takeaway is going to be a little bit different. And this isn't something that I want you to share with others. If you're watching online, don't screenshot this. Uh, don't tweet this with my name attached. Uh, it's not the best takeaway out of context, but it is today's takeaway. Are you ready? Here it is. It's three words. You can't win. You can't win. When fighting your giants, when fighting your battles, whatever they may be, you can't win. The giants of today are overwhelming. And you can't win. The gospel according to David found in the David and Goliath story is you can't win. Whatever your giant might be, your marriage might be failing, you might be facing a giant with your health, you might be fighting for your kids right now, you may be facing colossal unemployment or feeling conquered by finances or broken relationships, and you can't win. Wow. Depressing, right? Please don't walk out of the room without hearing the best part of the story. If you're online, don't turn off, don't go to Google, don't run over to Facebook. Please stay till the end of the message because there is more. Thank God there is more. Thank you, Jesus, that there is more. And to see the more, we have to go back to the story. And so let's go back to the story. You see, David walks out to the valley of Allah to face Goliath. And the Philistine army is on one hillside, and the Israelite army is on the other hillside, and Goliath walks down into the valley, and David follows down into the valley as well. And then David challenges Goliath with these words. He says this, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, 
But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And then he says this, this is the takeaway. Today, the Lord will conquer you. He didn't say today using my superior skills and quick wits and youthful legs will conquer you. He didn't say today with God by my side, I will conquer you. He didn't say, hey, God has my back and now I'm going to put you onto yours. He didn't say any of those things. David said, today the Lord will conquer you. You see, David understood this, that while facing the Philistine champion, he may be playing the role of the Israelite champion. But David knew that God would be the champion in the valley that day. That is our good news. So now let's go back to my horrible takeaway. Now, a takeaway is often this practical application for life. A takeaway is it's the thing. It's the we can apply this to our lives so that we can improve or enhance our relationship with God or with others. And we often use those and we'll come up with a memorable one that you will be able to take with you throughout the week and it'll challenge you in the way you live. And we believe that that challenge will improve your life. It'll improve your relationship with God, those kinds of things. That is practical, that it's memorable and it's achievable. And we'll work really hard to come up with what is that thing? What's the why for me spending 25 minutes talking to you folks if there isn't a why? It's just words if there isn't a why. And so that's very important. But today's takeaway is not an application. Instead, it's an implication. Now, let me try to tease out the difference here. Application, by definition, is putting something into operation. So if you do this, you will get this. If you spend 15 minutes on a treadmill, you will get something different than this. See, there's an application. Treadmill equals this, not this, this. Do you see that, right? There's an application. An implication is different. An implication is a conclusion that can be drawn. Because of this, this is true. You see, battle lines have been drawn in our lives. You may feel that there are overwhelming odds stacked against you. It may feel as if you've been hearing threats for 40 days and 40 nights. And you may feel like running. And if you're not feeling this now, the reality is we all know that a valley will occur in life. And so if it isn't right now, it will come. It's part of the human condition. Right? It's the moments when the test results are not as expected, but worse. The valley is moments when the month is longer than the paycheck. The valley is, as I said earlier, you may feel defeated in your marriage, where your family is struggling relationally. And you stand on the hillside, and from across, the enemy is saying, come fight me. And you run in fear because you know you can't win. But here's the implication. The conclusion that can be drawn from the story of David and Goliath, and it's repeated in verse 47, which we haven't read yet. 
See, David tells Goliath, and both armies which are within earshot, the Lord will conquer you. We looked at that. But then David goes on to say this. He says, this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. See, the reason we can't win, the reason I can't win is that the fight isn't ours to fight in the first place. We have a champion and the battle belongs to God. Whatever battle you may be facing, the gospel according to David tells us the battle isn't yours to fight. So here's the implication. Because of this, Jesus is our champion. And this is true. The battle is not yours. This is why Paul while sitting in a jail cell, could write these words to the church. He said, I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. Are you feeling like you're in a jail cell right now? Paul writes from prison that Jesus is your strength. It's why John, while writing exiled on an island, could write to the church and say these words, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Does COVID have you feeling like you're in exile? John writes to you that Jesus living in you is greater. It's why the writer to the letter of Hebrews would describe Christ's followers suffering in chapter 11, suffering because of their faith, and he would then write these words in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And everybody uses those words to say, yeah, let's run out and be the champion. But then the writer of Hebrews puts this sentence. It's on the screen. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, who the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Here's the application because of the implication. You are not left alone in your valley. And it isn't even our fight. We don't need to handle this alone. Jesus stands in our valley with us. Now the band's going to come back up and they're going to lead us in a song. Here's what I want you to know. Today is a difficult world for us to navigate. It's difficult. We are discerning truth in a culture of mistruth. We're trying to figure out how to uh, know love while we're surrounded by hate. And we're finding peace when chaos seems to be the theme of the day. How do you find peace in the midst of all the chaos? We have and you have a champion who David wrote in Psalm 23 after his Goliath experience, that he'll walk through the valley, even the valley of the shadow of death. David understood what it meant to walk down into the valley, and he knew that it wasn't his fight. It was God's fight. It was God who is the champion. Listen to the words we sang today. The God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Sounds like a champion, doesn't it? For the battle belongs to
to you, God. We already declared this. I didn't have to speak for 25 minutes because we already declared it. The battle belongs to God. When all I see is the battle, all I see is the broken marriage, all I see is the kids in trouble, all I see is the finances out of whack. When that's all I can see. When all I see is the battle, we sang, God, you see the victory. Because God, the battle belongs to you. And so then we do this. We sang that I will fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. That, folks, is not the way champions fight. But it is the way people fight who have a champion. We get on our knees and our hands in the air and we say, God, I can't do this on my own. And God says, you were never designed to. You were never meant to. It's the most impractical application because of a truth-filled implication that you and I are not alone in our valley. I don't have a takeaway beyond it's okay for us to be on our knees with our hands lifted high, wondering and watching and waiting for God to respond. Listen to the words of this song as the band sings.